It's mostly banter with Mike and Brandon. I am Brandon, that is Mike, and we have a good show ahead for you. Adam Rank of the NFL Network will join us to talk about the Angels, fantasy football, Ezekiel Elliott, and his fantasy meets reality tour. It'll be a good one, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, Mike, hello. How are you? How is everything? Everything is wonderful. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Hanging in there. Um been interesting last couple of weeks had a uh, eye surgery but things are good right now um and i can see you so uh i can't be upset with that and uh that really is what's important now to open up no, this sh- what's important is, is is i have not called you blinky yet that's true that's true i i currently have my right eye closed as i have my glasses on it's either i take off my glasses and i can't see the computer really that well if i'm because i have to be pretty far away to see the computer or I have my glasses on and close my right eye and my left eye sees per normal. It's really, it's, it's riveting stuff and uh, very entertaining and honestly not great. I'm just pleased that, you know, it went well for you. I'm pleased that my little oral surgery went well. We're both on yes. the mend uh, and on to bigger and better things. I know. I'm an old man like you. Uh, before, before you know it. Uh, you, you, it took 30 seconds. You're ready on the, the old joke shots? Really? Hey, it's, it's a record for me. What can I say? Uh, let's talk actual stuff before we get into Adam rank. And by actual stuff, I mean baseball, because we could sit here and talk about the democratic debates that are going to happen tonight and tomorrow night. Um, but there's a lot of nonsense going on right now in this world. And we're going to keep this more sports oriented, um, than anything else. So let's talk about the trade deadline. Um, keep in mind everybody that you're listening. Obviously we're recording this on Tuesday morning at about 11 AM. So there are going to be trades between now and the time that this is posted. There's no doubt about that. So this will kind of be more of a speculation and uh, a look at it from the outside. Uh, Mike, we're going to talk up with Adam about the angels and what moves they should and should not make. So we'll kind of stay away from that because I don't need to repeat it twice. But curious to get your take on the overall landscape right now. And one thing that I think is the most important to talk about, Mike, as someone who has been in the industry as an agent, is this is the first year they got rid of the waiver deadline. So there are no trades that can be made in August. July 31st will be the final day. And you would think that that would mean a lot more trades would be happening right now because they cannot happen in August. But it seems like what we're actually looking at right now in this landscape is so many teams are waiting until the very last second to see if they need to be buyers or sellers because they don't have that opportunity or to make patterns. Yeah, exactly. Or to make an, or to, because they don't have the opportunity to make a deal in August. What do you think about the lack of ability to make a trade in August and what that's doing right now to the trade landscape? Well, I like it. Number one, I really do, but it's not true. You cannot make a deal, but it would be very rare. It would be somebody saying, we want any relief from this particular person who's been loyal to our team. I'm not going to pick on anybody, but Albert Pujols would come to mind way down the road. If he really wanted to go back to St. Louis and he's got one last heroic in him and it's past the, way, the trade deadline in July, the Angels would release him, eat the money, and then he, in essence, would be able to be picked up by somebody as a free. So players could move, but it will be of the rarest of rare. Yeah. From coming back to the norm, I think it's good because it's a definitive and there's no shenanigans that can be played to make sure, hey, we can get this guy because nobody else wants to pay him and we're going to wave him to everybody. If nobody else wants him, we'll pull him back and then we'll cut a deal because he cleared waivers. That gets too confusing. Either you do or you don't. These are the guys that you run with. 
And I do believe it will also have an impact on the follow-up to that rule is more important. I don't like if you're a team like the Cincinnati Reds and you have no chance and you're playing a contending team and it's September and you have your your prospects up. So AAA guys or unseasoned guys that you're using as to see where they're really at the developmentally um, compared to um, other teams. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a contender and you're playing, I'm trying to catch the Yankees and you're, you're the Reds and you're playing AAA and AA guys, you don't have much of a chance to help me. So I like a little bit more of a competitive balance and they address that, that there is no more 40 man, roster in September, they've limited that. But directly to your question, I like it because it makes people make the decision. I'm a buyer, I'm a seller, or I'm a stand patter. So I I like that. And and some big names uh, are supposed to be on the move. The Mets have been talking about dealing Zach Wheeler or Noah Syndergaard. Supposedly, the Astros um, are the favorites for Zach Wheeler because God knows the Astros need more pitching. I, I mean, <laughs> a team that has Cole and Verlander as their one-two apparently are trying to do whatever it takes. But give credit to them, man. They know exactly what they need to do to win. And uh, they're really putting themselves in a good position where they'll be able to move a guy like Brad Peacock, who was a starter during the year, into the bullpen and just make that bullpen even better. Uh, because I think that's the one weakness that the Dodgers have faced over the last several years is that they don't have that ace um, like we'll discuss with Adam, but they also they don't have that seventh and eighth inning guy that can lessen the load on Kenley Jansen. And I think Jansen gets overused throughout the season and then gets overused too much in the playoffs. And we've seen that they've stru- out a little, yeah. exactly, and they've struggled to really find that guy that can be the person that gets them to Jansen. I'm curious to get your take on something, Mike. Um, the Dodgers, as rumor has it. Could get Vasquez, the closer from the Pirates, Felipe Vasquez from the Pirates, a left-handed reliever, but they would have to give up two of their top four prospects. I'm curious if I were you, or you were, me, or if you were the Dodgers rather, would you make that deal? Would you trade two of your top prospects and mortgage some of your future, but know that you have a legit chance to win a World Series because you know that's one of your weakest links? I personally would not. And now, two of the four, if I get to keep Gavin Lux. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I understand it. So there's a lot more to it that I just don't know. How old is the lefty from Pittsburgh? How how, is he under contract? He's under contract for a couple of years. I think that's one of the benefits Um, of him. Do I want to extend him to make him happy, to make him feel welcome, you know, touching back and not confusing it? But, you know, hey, is a new spot something where he's going to excel or is he going to flounder here? How is that going to be chemistry wise? Am I going to have him set up for Jansen or is Jansen going to set up for him? There's a lot of questions that. I, if I'm sitting in the Dodgers GM spots or in their discussions, they know that we're not privy to. But to answer your question, I wouldn't mind saying, I'll give you these two and I'll take them for it if I pick the two because Gavin Lux is untouchable. And and you said something I I really want to interject with the Dodgers. They have what I, what's interesting, they sort of have rotating, um, Number one guys. They have rotating aces. Well, right now it's Ryu. I mean, just numbers wise, it's Ryu. I mean, he's as of now, he'll probably win the Cy Young. He's got an ERA close to one and a half. They have Kershaw, obviously. They have Walker Bueller, who's tremendous. So they have very good pitchers. 
their depth is right there, but everybody's bagging on the bullpen because that's the one area that, that they seem weak at mm -hmm. and they're overloaded in one. So I do understand putting one more arm in the bullpen makes it easier because then you're pushing everybody down an inning mm -hmm. and an eighth inning guy who now has to pitch the seventh inning, he's probably a little strong for that. So everybody's better when you add that. So um, that's probably the reason to do it. If chemistry works, I love the idea that he's a lefty, um, that solves a problem, um, f for them. And, and I like the way that the Dodgers are going about it. The, the problem I have, if I'm the Dodgers is if I don't win it, uh, I can hear the cat calls of the Buffalo bills nickname going on the Dodgers real quick. Hey, you just can't win the big one. You get there, but you can't ever do it. And that would be a shame, but, um, I, I think that's where it's going for them. But there's so many teams to look at. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? What are the Mets doing? What is the long-term plan of the Mets? Are you selling off stuff? You just imported a wonderful pitcher from the uh, the Marcus uh, Stroman Blue from the Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you trading Syndergaard? Well, if it's exchanging money, Syndergaard's going to cost me a lot. I can go buy a lot more for it. That's a plan. I, I respect that. The interesting thing that the Astros do well coming to Verlander, Verlander was a big question mark when it was, should the Dodgers go get him or should the Astros? Because he was at that pinnacle. Is he on decline or where is he? He had an awful if, year. He was close to like a five ERA or something like right. that with the Tigers. He wasn't Verlander. So, yeah. so there was a good chance that he was going to be, ah, oh, well, we're in season three since that trade. And mm -hmm. he seems to have recaptured Verlander, you know, um, so he is who he was. So it was just an off year is Cindergard got a lot more left. Um, I would think leaving the dysfunction of the, the New York Mets, and I don't mean that as a, a shot at them, but it, they're becoming New York Knicks like would be good for a player. There's more, I probably would take more of a shot on him of giving up stuff for him. Um, and the pirates, you know, it's just that's the problem in baseball. The lesser teams, the Royals, the Pirates, from an economic standpoint, end up becoming the old St. Louis Browns. They're sort of the let's pluck our talent from them and we'll give them down the road. So they're reloading, reloading the Pirates until they get a mix and then it clicks together and then they have to blow it up for economics. So it's that's just the way baseball is right now. Um, so so I, I guess what I'm saying is. It's interesting. It's fascinating. It's evolving. I don't know that it's fair. Yeah. I mean, the one thing about baseball, though, is you do have a team like the Royals who can go to the World Series. Um, and sure, things go downhill possibly in a hurry. But if you have young – because eventually when those young guys, you have to pay them, it, it does end up hurting. So you're right about that. But it will be interesting to see – um, some of these teams, what will the Red Sox do? Will the Yankees add a starter? Because I think they desperately do need a starter. The rotation's been terrible. Um, the Dodgers, by the way, I mean, or between Julio Urias and then, of course, they can put Ross Stripling and Kent Maeda in the bullpen. They have some of these starters that can go to the bullpen that will help out as well. So they have yeah, a team. they're built for the playoffs. Yeah, That's what's great they're the definitely Dodgers. built for the playoffs. They've got a lot of versatility. Um, I think it'll probably be the Astros and the Dodgers in the World Series, but we'll have to see. It, it should be interesting. But before, is that your pick? You're yeah, I, I think right now it's Astros Dodgers for me. You're incorrect, but you're you're early. Who? It'll be Angels and Dodgers. <laughs> oh man, he never failed to support the Red Sox nipping right at the Angels. You know. Yeah. There you go. All right. Before we get into our conversation with Adam Rank, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Mostly Banter Pod. 
You can like us on Facebook, Mostly Banter. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Um, we're all over the place. It's Mostly Banter. You can subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Give us a five-star review. It will really help, and we would greatly appreciate it. If you want to leave a comment there as well, that would be great. And you can go to the website, MostlyBanter.com. And a big thank you before we get to Adam Rank, to our producer, Mikey Sherry. He's the one that makes sure this podcast sounds great for you. Um, and that's about it. So let's go ahead. Let's talk to Adam Rank. All right, Mike, it's been a while since we've had this guy on, but he is a dear friend of mine and someone that I can talk Angels baseball with, I can talk football with, I can talk fantasy football with, because, boy, we know everybody loves fantasy football, and that's coming up right around the corner. He is Adam Rank, a good fella. Adam, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me on again. We can also talk wrestling, but I think you're one of, I don't think you're one of the wrestling guys here, but I think that the Angels, we have a... We have a nice little club of Angel fans here, so it's always fun to uh, talk to you. And I'm grateful that you would you would give me a few moments of your time. Oh, well, you're so kind. By the way, I am someone, or I used to be somebody that used to watch wrestling, and then uh, then the Shield got broken up, and then I listened to the whole Dean Ambrose interview with Jericho, and after that, it was uh, I was done with WWE. Too many hours of television each week. Um, I was just done. I couldn't do it anymore. Oh my gosh! So that's recent. That's a like that's a like a lot of time you'd be like, yeah. Once the Rock left, I was out, which is understandable. The Shield, Dean Ambrose, dude, that's realistic. That's real, like recent. Oh yeah. And here's what I tell everybody who's like, I kind of want to get into wrestling, but I don't know. I always tell them to watch NXT. It's an hour on Wednesday. Their pay per views are always the best. There's just four of them every year. Any weekend where NXT is performing, where they have a takeover in front of WrestleMania or SummerSlam or any of the big four, their pay-per-view will always be better. And so if that's the only wrestling that you watch, you would love the WWE. Yeah, well, how about that? So anybody that's interested in wrestling, there you go, the NXT. Just hire Adam Rank. He can uh, <laughs> he can promote the NXT for you. But we, uh, we don't want to waste our time talking wrestling as much as we possibly – I mean, we really could go on any topic for just a really long time. We could. I could talk AEW, too, but yeah, I, by Tony Khan. You probably should say something. I know you can. You really can go off on any topic, which is the best part about you. But let, let's talk Angels first. Um, first of all, before we get into any of that, we're going to talk about your Fantasy Meets Reality Tour later. I'm excited about that. You can follow Adam on Twitter, at Adam Rank, I believe is the Twitter handle. Pretty simple. Um, but now let's talk Angels Baseball. Uh, all right. So, Adam, you're probably the most optimistic fan that I've ever come across when it comes to any of their teams. I mean, if you look at somebody that's a Dodgers fan, they're optimistic. But Mike, yeah, Mike, Mike is pretty optimistic, too. Actually, he's probably right there with you because Mike thinks the Angels are going to win the World Series every year. And he thinks USC is going to end up going 13-0 every year. But now we're taping this on Tuesday. The Angels have lost four of their last five. They lost three of four to Baltimore. They just lost to Detroit. Where are you right now? Are, are you deep in just sadness, or are you okay? Where, where's your mental state? This team will be lucky to win 70 games. Oh, boy. And that's exactly how I feel every night that we lose. This is the worst team ever. Let's keep Crowder, Tommy, Fletcher, and Simba, and trade the rest. We'll keep Adele as well. And then when we win a game, it's like, we're winning 92. We're going to the wild card. We're doing it. We're going we're gonna to sneak in. We're going to get on a run, and we're going to go all the way to the World Series. It really depends on where you, where you catch me is, how, is usually how I'm feeling. But I think that obviously the realism 
setting in, and I think this has already been one of the most difficult years um, that I can remember, obviously, with uh, the passing of Tyler Skaggs. A man I got to know over the last number of years. He was, uh, he was a, a frequent guest. He came on our Madden show when we did Madden NFL Live. He came on Fantasy and Friends. For the last number of years, him and I would be on the phone help you know, we'd be doing his Angels draft. Uh, he would, he would like text like during the, during the during the football season. He would text a lot, and I remember my wife could get up and she's like, "Skags, like come on, like we'd be at dinner, we'd be doing whatever." We're like, hey, and I remember one time he was trying to do a trade offer with uh, Mike Trout. He wanted Jordan Matthews, so this goes back a couple of years. He's like, Trout wants him so bad, and like send me his roster and let's let's check it out. So this all that stuff has been really difficult and it's really weird that when I look back on this season I will remember beating the Dodgers four games which I know is something stupid to really be hung up on and then the no hitter when they first came back to Anaheim which my whole family was there for so it's a weird season it's a difficult season but I think ultimately as weird as it'll be I think it'll be one that we look back on where We'll, we'll remember those high points and, of, and of course, the lowest of the lows. So it, it, it'll be a memorable season, but probably not for the reason that we wanted to coming into this year. Adam, we're still in the middle of it. Are the Angels buyers, sellers, or stay pat, do nothing? I really believe that there's not too much I would change. Now, last year they traded Ian Kinsler and they got Ty Butchery who up until recently was one of their more consistent bullpen pieces. If Eckler can make trades like that, then definitely go out and do that. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. Unfortunately, the players that you would be, that you would want to trade, and this is no real knock on Upton, but you do need to clear up a spot for Joe Adele. And so you'd be wanting to trade one of your outfield pieces. Upton would be the guy that you would want to trade because of his salary and age, but I think that he has a no-trade clause. So unless we could dupe the Mets into taking him and, you know, like convince him to waive that no-trade clause, which I don't think is going to be possible. But I would just say then, then stay the course. I, understandably, you can buy out Cole Calhoun at the end of the season for, what is it, like a million bucks. But really, once Otani returns to the mound, there's going to be some flexibility, which means you're not going to have to play who holds at first base and somebody always seems to get hurt. So I think that having that depth, and even though Brian Goodwin is playing exceptionally well, I, I, I say you hang on to everybody and just kind of, I mean, you move the pieces. Nobody's, nobody's giving you Noah Syndergaard for Cole Calhoun straight up. So why even make those deals? Why don't you wait till the offseason? You can make a run at Derek Cole. You can make a run at what Alex Wood, I believe, is going to be a free agent. Madison Bumgarner might be somebody who might be a, a cheaper option. Strasburg will probably ask for too much money for his age and his injury history. But at the same point, like just make a couple of runs, just 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 keep it as it is. And you think if you have a healthy rotation that has Otani, that has well, Keaty is one we're going to be counting on. But Suarez and Canny have come up and have shown that perhaps at some point they could be reliable major league pitcher. So I think it's closer than people want to give us credit for. Mm. And I said us because the amount of money I spend at the St. Archer Lounge, I think that I'm kind of a part owner <laughs> along with Artie. So all around it. Here's my one big thing with the Angels and the most depressing thing about the Angels is that every single year, first of all, you're obviously at 
the point where Trout is the best player in the world and, and you want to put a winner around him. And, and every single trade deadline, I feel like I'm now getting to the point where I'm like, you, you want to sell. You want to sell. You want to trade guys to get more talent around Trout to win the next year. But it carries over year to year. But the biggest issue is, and it's so frustrating, is that the Angels year to year don't have that big guy that they can trade to get assets, which is probably the most frustrating thing. I mean, you look at the, the Diamondbacks, for example. They're supposed to trade away Robbie Ray. They might be able to trade away Zach Greinke. You look at other teams that are selling. Guys like maybe the Mets that they decide to trade at some point. They trade Syndergaard. They trade Wheeler. The Angels don't have anybody. And so because of that, you can't rebuild as quickly as the other teams. And the Angels are kind of in a tough situation because you can't rebuild and you currently don't have enough talent to win at all. And so you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place because you're more optimistic about the rotation than I think more people are. And and I think that you're kind of a little too optimistic because in reality, if you're able to get Otani and then Heaney, I mean, Heaney's not a number two. You need Heaney to be a number three or number four. And then you have Canning, who's probably supposed to be a number five right now. And so you need at least one or two aces, and that requires a lot of money. And guys like Garrett Cole are going to ask for a ton of money. The question is, can you pay them, and are they going to want to come to you? And that's the toughest thing right now for the Angels because they have the offense. It doesn't matter who they put out there. They're getting runs across. But my biggest issue right now with them is that they don't have pitching, and I'm not sure that's something you can solve right away, Adam. Well, they're going to have to go into the free agent pool. And if it's not Garrett Cole, it is going to be somebody, again, Alex Wood, Strasburg. I mean, Cole would be the number one priority. He grew up out here. Mm-hmm. He would want to play for the Angels. I would say break the bank for whatever he wants. And even if you pay more than you want to, you got to be the buyer. And I listen, and, but we've been down this road before. We thought that Randy Johnson was going to sign at one point. We thought that. Randy Johnson and CC Sabathia are going to join here. So it is a little, it is a little bit of a cautionary tale before you just assume that these guys are going to be signing. But at the same time, you look at it, you, you talk about tradable pieces. But I look at who do you, obviously you need starting pitching. A lot of teams need starting pitching. What do you need on the offensive side of the ball? You really don't need anything. You have a surplus of outfielders when you include Joe Adele. You're you're locked in. I, I think if you bring Lestella back, that's a great move. You got Simba, who's the best defensive shortstop in the American League. You got Fletcher, who can play all over the place. He's a modern day Sean Figgins. You uh Luis Rahipo, like he's a great utility player. Like they've got guys. So like offensively they're set. And so you could maybe trade some of those, but why would you want to? Why would you want to put yourself in that hole? And I know that a lot of guys you know they're still a number of a number of years away, and I I will like and it's and it's the angel fans like default setting of hey you know what the big the big moves in 2002 were Kevin Apier and Aaron Seeley which did not did not move the needle, but if you find somebody if you you you, you approach this in free agency and you figure out a way to make it work, and so I'm. Again, and the cool thing about Trout signing long-term is that during this trading period, we don't have to hear Yankee fans or Philly fans being like, Trout's coming to us. Trout's going to bet. Like, he's in. So that buys us even more affordability and more more patience. And so, you know what? It sucks right now. It really does. It's, it's unfortunate. I want them to be in the playoffs. 
but I look at it long term. We can take the slow build. Uh, eight years from now, if we're still having the same conversation, I will be very disappointed. Well, I, think I, that we're, you know, I, I was going to say, Adam, I didn't, I didn't mean to jump in on you there, but you're, you're on it, except I think that they can get the pitching that they're looking for. I really do. I think you're, you're, you're half right on go get it in free agency. There are some pitchers out there. I wouldn't, you know, lock in on, I have to have Cole or I have to have this. If you can get Syndergaard and the Met and he's on the market, he's a needle mover. Definitely go get him. I agree with everything that you said. They've got a fine offensive team. They've got a fine defensive team. Eventually the boat anchor of Albert Pujols' contract um, goes away and it's not Albert Pujols. He's just diminishing returns for more expensive every year and they'll be able to replace that. But the frustrating part for at least me is I watch them play so well against the teams that are good now. And then how do you get beat by Baltimore the way that you got beat? How do you get beat by Detroit last night the way that you got beat? It doesn't make a lot of sense other than pitching. I see it slightly different than you guys. I see the middle bullpen, build that out first. Get the best long guy in the game if you've got faulty pitching. And one thing that people are not addressing, Tyler Skaggs was not Nolan Ryan. He was not an ace. But when you give up a pitcher like that to tragic circumstances, the emotion and everything else. And then at the end of the day, you go to just a simple baseball. You just lost one of your starting pitchers and the other one can't throw because he's coming off of Tommy John. So I agree with you. We should be optimistic, but we still have to replace Tyler Staggs if you're the angels. And how do you do that without crippling or giving up what you have on the field? They don't have Dodger depth in the minor leagues. They don't have Dodger depth, any of those other places, but go get it. And I think you're right. It's got to be through free agency, but I don't know that I would be locked into a guy who's a B plus pitcher like Cole. I'm not saying I don't, I mean that from a standpoint of in the lineage of baseball, go get guys that can give you, go get number two and three starter. And then when the guy like Syndergaard comes, pull the trigger that that's my thoughts on that. But and, that's easier said than done, Mike, cause you can't just go and you have nothing to trade for Syndergaard. I mean, you, that's the issue. You got to think about what you'd have to give up. And the angels right now is their rank farm systems rank like 16 or 17 apart from Joe Adele. There's not a ton there that teams want. I mean, sure, it's ranked 16 or 17 and more towards the lower end of rookie ball and low A is where the guys are. But that's the issue. I mean, right now, Garrett Cole is an A pitcher in this league. And in so this market and he's a yeah, free agent. That. He'll be a free agent. So it's different becoming a free agent than having a trade for somebody. But you do bring up a good point. The bullpen, Adam, I'm curious to get your take on this because it seems like every year the Angels have these weird arms, guys like Justin Anderson that emerge. Cam Bedrosian emerges. This year was Butchery. I mean, how long can you continue to go with this bullpen that you're putting together with duct tape as opposed to guys who are legit eighth, ninth inning guys like Ottavino, Chapman, Canley, St- guy, Britain, guys that the Yankees have that you know are not going to be bad and through major stretches like some of these pitchers the are. Fine rule. Right. And have the fine rule. I- exactly. Do you not like you need to spend time? With more, Yan- I mean, you actually don't spend more time with Yankee fans, but those guys act like their bullpen is the worst in baseball. They all <laughs> think that Chapman sucks and they want to trade him. Everybody thinks that their bullpen is awful. And so I know a lot of people say this, and it's, it's something that they say every year like, 
How can Epler, how long can he rely on this bull? Like, he does it every year. Mm-hmm. He fires these guys. This is the way that you have to build the bullpen. The problem is, is that they wear out this time of season. And they wear out because the starters aren't getting into the fifth. And at some point, I would like to see them, especially in the, I think they did it last night or Tuesday or Monday night with Jaime Maria. Like, they left them in longer than they would have a couple of weeks ago when they were still, you know, contending. They will be like, when, when they were playing the Dodgers, they're like, dude, you're on quick. They pulled them out after four and a third. Get somebody in there. Let's try to win this game. Now they're like, yeah, you got to get used to getting into the sixth inning and doing things like that. And I, I believe that's going to be a huge part of it. And you talk about, Mike, you, you talk about, like, how does this team beat the Dodgers? And how do they compete so well against these other teams that can't compete against the Orioles and, and, and the Tigers? It's like, it's one of the rare reasons that you touched on with Tyler. And it's, they played so inspired. And I was so proud of them, the way that they had battled back, the way that they handled their business against the Dodgers. That was a huge series for them. Like, dude, they were going to come. Like, it is this, this current stretch was the most predictable thing in sports. It's like watching the Royal Rumble and knowing that Roman Reigns is going to win. Like, they were going to fall for I I wish that they were playing Oakland or somebody good that they had to keep on it. And perhaps after they, they lose two or three to Detroit, they'll go out and sweep the Astros or do something crazy like that. But it's going to happen. Like, that's just the way it's going to go. And I think the emotion, like, you, you, can only, you can only sustain that for so long before you're like, I can't. I can't. Like, my mind. I mean, just sitting there watching, when you watch Stroud, like, that dude never talks. The only time that I get him to talk is, like, if you want to talk Eagles, like, he's all about it. And even then, he's not, like, super – super chatty but like the way he's handled himself over the last number of weeks where he he's really shown some emotion he's really shown a, a, a different side of himself all this stuff you know and it, i don't want to use it as an excuse i don't want to lean on it as a crutch or anything like that but these guys are human beings and it's got to be tough to go through what they've done and so i think for fans that we should just i don't know if we if, we're, if this was a movie if this was like the movie moneyball if you watch Moneyball, they don't show the 2002 World Series. Like, hey, who won that? Who won that, Brad Pitt? Jonah, Jonah Hill? Oh, that's right. It wasn't Oakland. It was the Angels. So I think when the, the movie of this season is written and produced, it'll end with that no-hitter, maybe the sweep of the Dodgers. And that's pretty much what I'll probably remember going forward. Well, the key, I, I'm going to take it to your era. You bring up a very good point. The era that the Angels won the World Series – um, when I was an agent, we had a key. The Minnesota Twins, if you remember, played the Angels. They got there by the long guy. And fortunately, it was my client. And what I mean by that is if you have a guy who needs this job, he's afraid of his job, but you walk out, hand him the ball, your starter's getting a little roughed up, you're down five to three, which was, okay, the Angels have you right where, you want, where we want you in that era. And the Twins did the mm-hmm. same. And you hand that ball to him and say, listen, guy, if I come out here and there's any more than five up there, your fanny's going to AAA or you're out of here and you get production out of that and you have defined roles in the bullpen, you're there. So for me, I have no critique of Osmus. I think he's fine other than he doesn't have a big personality and he's not out there rah-rahing and he's he's just sort of – getting his anchors as, you know, sort of setting down his foundation for what he wants to do. But if you right. get fine rules of guys that produce, this team will be fine. 
But I, like you, it's like, I just, come on. I, I think they can win. I'm with you. I, I disagree. If they get to the playoffs, anything can happen, happen, except in their instance, they're not built for a playoff series. They have no three dominant pitchers. They would, they, they would struggle. But I really believe yeah, that's true. they got offense that no one can say, hey, we're so much better. Tell me who's better offensively. Who's better in baseball? Seriously. That, but that, that's, that's so true. So now go the other way. I'm with you. If you can't take care of Baltimore at home and you're getting shellacked by Detroit at home, how are we here saying that they're going to be good? Oh, and by the way, a shout out to Mikey Sherry, because I think we have four devout angel fans here who only want them to succeed. That's our producer. <laughs> and he's a Raider guy. So, you know, it's like his, I, I, I don't understand. He and I were like, how do you go Raiders and Angels? But doesn't seem like a mix, but it is. But I think Wait a minute. How Southern California teams. That's an easy one. Um Yeah, Mike doesn't use his brain. It's all right. Mike doesn't use his brain. That's not true. It's not a Southern California team. Only for your young guys, this is a Southern California team. They were the Oakland Raiders for a gazillion years. Then they were a Southern California team until Al Davis got, you know, short chance changed on a deal and then they had to leave. And I, I completely agree um, that there was a time that they were here, but it just doesn't seem like a mix. If anything, the Rams played in Anaheim. I get that. But what right. a, yeah. you know, that but, does make more sense. You're going off topic, Mike. I, I, I'm ending this right Angels now. Are good. Back to the important thing. Are the Angels going to make the playoffs this year? No. What's the census? No, 100%. Oh, no, no. Come on. No. No, come on. no chance. You know what? If, if, if for I, no other reason, yes. it's because. I say, yes. It's, Mike is ridiculous. Continue, okay. continue, Adam. Mike, I love you. Like <laughs> honestly, I love it. I really do. I, I, but you know what? It's not even about the team. Right? It's like it, the American League is tough, and it's not not indicative of what Detroit and um, and Baltimore are doing. But like the American League is tough. The National League is garbage. Like if the Angels were in the National League, they would win. They would win. They would win the. Uh, they would be in the playoffs for sure. I mean, it's tough because what would you do with Otani? But the the Angels would win. They would be in the playoffs of the National League. They the still Dodgers, they still have no pitching. The NL actually has pitching. No, no, yes. no. Yes, the, yes, the yes. National League is terrible, and the Dodgers are handed the World Series every year, and they don't and they don't win. You know why? Because they don't have an like you said. They don't have an ace. They have like good pitching. They have a bunch of maybe three starters, but they don't have an ace. And every year that ends up killing them. That's why they lost to Houston. That's why they lost to Boston. They don't have a guy that when you get into the playoffs, you're like, well, we're winning this game because this guy's starting. You're like, every one of those guys, you're like, oh, my God, I hope that this guy can make it to the fifth inning. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's move to football. Uh, Enough about baseball. Uh, some news going on right now and curious to get your take on it. We won't spend too, too long on it, but Melvin Gordon holding out Ezekiel Elliott holding out. I think Zeke is the bigger one, especially with Jerry Jones coming out saying you don't need a guy like Zeke to win games. Curious to get your thoughts on that. Cause I know you, uh, you have some solid opinions on it that you're tweeting out this morning. Yeah. I, I mean, Jerry Jones is, is stent- he's kind of right in that you don't need a, NFL leading rusher, a guy who carries the ball 500 times. You don't need that person to win the Super Bowl, even though, number one, the Dallas Cowboys have won three Super Bowls with Jerry Jones as owner GM, with Emmitt Smith 
leading the NFL in rushing all three years. And as a matter of fact, in 1993, Emmett Smith held out for the first two games of the season, then came back. They tried to make it happen with Derek Classic, but that notwithstanding, Jerry Jones is correct. You don't have to have an NFL, you don't have to have the NFL's leading rusher to win a Super Bowl. The Patriots have proven that. But the way the Cowboys are constructed, you have to have Ezekiel Elliott. Not only is he an ace rusher, he had 77 receptions last year, including three touchdowns. That guy needs to be on your football team because outside of him and Amari Cooper, and of course the quarterback Dak Prescott, you don't have a lot of offensive firepower. You're bringing back a 90-year-old tight end who is just shamed into playing football again because he wasn't good in the broadcast booth. That is your that is your number three receiving option on this team. Unless you know Michael Gallup's finally going to come through or something. So the Cowboys definitely need Ezekiel Elliott. And by the way, the New England Patriots were fifth in rushing last year. And you saw it towards the end of the season. They're like, we're going to run the eye formation. We're going to put a fullback there, a fullback back there, and we're going to run the ball on seemingly every play. They were fifth in rushing last year. The Cowboys were 10th. So the Cowboys need to be able to run the football. They need their best players on the field. So while in theory, the theory is fine. Like, I don't need alcohol to go out and have a good time. But alcohol makes stuff a lot more enjoyable. So you know what? Figure it out, Jerry Jones. I can't believe that you're this close to the Super Bowl, and now you're you're acting like your team is coming off back-to-back Super Bowl wins. Like, no, you should be doing everything you can to get your team to the Super Bowl. If it costs you a little bit more money, a little bit more money, you make those payments. Just do what you got to do. Get it settled. Get it done. And same for you, Chargers. Again. Melvin Gordon, you can probably get by with a combination of Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, but Melvin Gordon is a huge presence in that backfield as a runner and receiver. What are you teams doing? I get it. If you're the Arizona Cardinals or if you're some team, like if the Falcons wanted to blow out Devonta Freeman, I get it. You probably don't need him to win. These teams are built to have that player help them get to the Super Bowl and the, and the fact that they're trying to screw around with this for some analytics chase just drives me crazy. You're making your money. The NFL just made $85 billion or whatever it was. You made your money. Just spend it on the players. It's not, it's not that bad. It's just not that bad. Well, keeping the cap aside, I think your, your point to Jerry Jones is um, – Uh, You know, first of all, I have the utmost respect for anybody who's in the position that he is. And I understand these are negotiation tactics and I understand what they're trying to do. But um, you're right on point. Three out of four were with Emmett Smith. And if you don't spend the money um, on Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know that you're a playoff team. And more importantly, um, Dak Prescott, the verdict's still out on him. He's not Troy Aikman, period. So you're your entire emphasis is on much like the New York giants. It's on your running back. You know, it ain't on your quarterback right now. And I think he knows that everybody knows that. So this is just negotiations. Maybe it's the new theory of, well, let's keep these running backs out of camp so that they don't get beat up. 
ha-ha, we'll pretend under the cloud of secrecy that we're negotiating with them. But I'd rather him not take the hits or the reps now. And when you shift over to your to the Chargers, the Chargers at least are quarterback-centric, but how much longer does he have? I think Ezekiel Elliott is much more important to the Cowboys than Melvin Gordon is to the Chargers because the Chargers are a balance. They're a run and pass team. The Cowboys, I don't know what that is yet. You know, I, I, I really don't. So it will be interesting to see um, how this plays out. But it's, in my opinion, it's all under the guise of I'm not all that is concerned that they're not here right now. Because if they're not getting hit, is all I have to do is look at Todd Gurley. I don't, I don't want my guy wearing out, and then let's see what happens in in the seat during the season. Um, and, and I just don't think that Cowboys are really a competitive team without Ezekiel Elliott. So he's holding the leverage to put the agent hat on. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I get, I, I honest, I'm with you. I hope that that's exactly what's happening. Is that they're just trying to keep them out of camp? Because that's a smart thing to do. Don't let the running backs get hit. Like you, you're playing for January, not for my fantasy title in September. And so I can appreciate that. And if if there's a little bit more transparency with that, I'm gonna appreciate. I, the thing is, though, is that everybody was burned by Le'Veon Bell last season. That I think the point is, is now everybody's like super concerned. Like, no, I can't go back. Like, if you're that kid in Australia who just got bit by a shark. When he was out in the water. Now everybody's looking for sharks or doing whatever. So I think that people are kind of concerned because of what happened with Le'Veon Bell. But ultimately, like my personal feeling, and I have no insider knowledge on this, I do believe that Melvin Gordon is going to be there in week one. I do believe Zach, or excuse me, Zeke is going to be there in week one. And right now it's just for us just to sit around and be upset about because it's not even August yet. So, but I, I, I I do think that these guys need, and you're absolutely right. I think Zeke is way more important to the Cowboys. But Melvin Gordon is somebody who I've kind of dismissed in recent years, but I, I have to give credit where credit is due. He's a very good football player. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, and Eckler was great. Justin Jackson's great. I and mean, they have two good running backs there. I think it's very different than the Cowboys situation where they just signed Alfred Morris to possibly take over yeah. if Zeke is in there. I mean, it, it's just apples and oranges, not even close in terms of the quality of running back um, in both those places. And what's funny about this, Adam, is that it was just two years ago that we wanted to give the entire Cowboys offensive line the MVP. And now all of a sudden – people realize, oh, wait, maybe it was Zeke that was the talented one that was running for all those yards. Maybe it's because Zeke is damn good. And sure, the offensive line is good, but Ezekiel Elliott's kind of important. That, it's funny how narratives can change so much from year to year. Do you, you see that, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, that's the whole thing with the Cowboys. It's like, it's like, okay, like, if you don't think the running back is that important, why was he drafted fourth overall? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so I'm fine. Then draft yeah, who are you fooling? Yeah, who are you fooling? Yeah. For sure. Are, so, by the way, are you taking him – who are you taking 1-1 in fantasy football drafts? Because I'm sure people are concerned about that. People are taking – they're having their drafts early, which I highly advise against, by the way. I normally have my draft the Wednesday before the season starts, the day before the season, because you never know in terms of who's going to win the running back battles and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you were drafting today, are you taking Zeke 1 or are you taking Alvin Kamara 1? Because I know you uh, you posted a poll that either. had some of these guys. He's, he's, he's talking about the – he's going to take the Giants guy. He's taking Barkley from the Giants. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's... Exactly. Yeah, Barkley. Yeah, Barkley is the guy. Oh, okay. I mean, I the thing. You know what's so funny, though? I, I love your whole, like, I wait. I, 
why don't you just wait till week 16 to do your fantasy draft then? Because then you can tell. Then you know because then you've seen everything. It's like you're trying to play poker and everybody has their cards up. When you draft, when you draft this early, you got to be calculating. You got to be a little cunning. You got to be a little, you know, you got to you got to be sharp. You got to know what's going on. You got to you got to make some predictions. You got to put your own analysis to the test. It's too easy when you wait that long. You prefer you prefer to draft early. I prefer the challenge, and I I don't like that you can cherry pick. Because I listen, you have to make a choice about Miles Sanders. Like, is he going to win the job or not? Like, what do you think? Go out and look at the tape and tell me what you think. You got to it's it gives you a chance to really test your skill. It is like playing poker and games of chance like that. And but you know, I I I kind of dig it. I do, and it and it's also fun too. And like. You know, somebody in a training camp, it's not fun to make fun of somebody's injuries. But that's but the hardest part. That screws you over. Why would I want to do a fantasy draft? Why would, go ahead. That might not, but what if, what, if, what if it's not your guy? Like, what if, what if Tyreek Hill, he just gets carted off? My friend James says, James has Tyreek Hill. You don't think I'm sending him a text message? Like, hey, bro, guess who, guess who got carted <laughs> off of Chiefs practice today? Like that? That is a thing, and that is that's that's part of it. Like that's that's the risk. It's risk reward. But you have seventeen you get, you get weeks a full of that. You get a full extra month of talking s to everybody. Ugh. Like a lot of people drop off in October because they're like, ah, my team is whatever. Now you get that extra month of like taunting people and having a good time. Like whatever, I can see both ways. I had drafts that Wednesday night as well. Fantasy is so cool that so many people, celebrity, non-celebrity, in-depth fan, everybody is sort of becoming more and more involved, even if it is just casual, okay, my team is done. I got a call in the press box. This is a call. I got a text saying, keep giving sacks to whoever it was on the on the Packers. This guy actually has individual players on defense in that fantasy league. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. It's like, oh, it's great. He's a great Martin. I think it was Martinez. Oh, it's great. You know what, what? You know, and people are so into it. And for me, it's like you have to think differently than you would as a fan. You have to think, OK, Barkley, because he's all that the Giants have if they keep Eli as a quarterback. Right. He's all that they have. So you're likely to get more production out of him. And what do I know? This is only my really second year of even trying this, but he seems a much better pick than Melvin Gordon would. You know what I mean? Even though they may be equal as running backs, I don't know. I just know that he's their production. I know that Ezekiel Elliott is the production for the Cowboys. You know, those are the things that you kind of see. And if you were a Rams fan, it was girly, you know. Um, So it's just interesting. And the injury factor, oh, man, there's – you're, you're hearing people complaining at weird times, like, why are you upset? Oh, so-and-so just got carted off. And then I'll hear my son call, you know, he's just, he's all excited. He's 30 years old. And it's like this, this, this. And he's rooting against a touchdown for a team that he wants to win. Don't throw it to him. Throw it to him. Unbelievable. And it's so great because it's a subculture to football. Everybody's into it. And, you're, and your role oh. of being a prognosticator for this only getting better. So I, I, I greatly appreciate your talent there, even though Brandon, not so much. Yeah. He doesn't care for me, which is fine. I, uh, <laughs> well, we know how to, we yeah. know how to, I think, we, we ignore him. Right. 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 We, we just, right? Go, 
important stuff. Oh, and so, wow. and it works. He's hysterical, <laughs> by the way. He's he's not even talking right now. Wow, it's it's going off the rails. <laughs> off the rails. Fact. Wait. Going oh, off the rails. Like, what did you expect when I walked in? That's true. What do you What do you think is going to happen? This has actually been. Invite me over and be like. Well, the funniest thing about this is that we've actually stayed on topic for pretty much the entire time, which is the most interesting thing about this, because you Just could take it, you could take it all over the place, which is the best part about this is that you somehow were able to stay somehow on topic. So I applaud you. I'll, I'll, I'll go one more question. I surprise people sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to do it, but I think that sometimes the surprise of not surprising people is the bigger surprise. Adam, I got a serious question. How many baseball players, MLB players today, are in the fantasy football? Like a lot of them. Like the so but many. Short, like right? it's crazy. I mean, I don't know if it's a majority. I think that the the. The native, the the, uh, the American-born English-speaking players are really into it. Like that's usually. I haven't quite cracked the other market, which I want. I want to so bad. I remember when uh, when uh, Otani was being courted for the Angels. I I had tweeted out. I said, "Hey, if Otani signs with the Angels, I will run his fantasy teams for free. Like, that is a service I will do." I even I saw EK and I let him know that if he ever needs that, that I'm I'm here for him and he he said thank you and uh, never gotten back to me, but that's okay. I think that uh, it's one of the things. So I I think that when the uh, foreign-born players start, you know, really getting into it, then I'll know like we've really reached something. But there's a lot of guys. It's crazy how many dudes like, and it's fun to see like MLB players following you on Twitter or things like. I'll tell you. Uh, a fun story which happened to me last year is I was sitting down doing one of my graphs and Trout DMs me through Twitter and I'm like freaking out and he goes, hey man, have you got any fantasy tips for me? And so I do what any normal person would do is I screen grab it and I send it to my best friend and I send it to my wife. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm kind of feeling myself. So I'm like, okay, I go, listen, Mike, um, yeah, dude, I will, uh, I'll help you out with whatever, whatever you need. I'll, uh, let you, I'll give you all the good, you know, I'll help you out. I'll give you some great sleepers and everything. But I just want you to know that Tyler gets all the best picks. <laughs> and then so then the bubbles, the bubbles came up and he was typing back and he goes, LOL, Tyler is sitting right next to me. And he told me that that is exactly what you had said. So <laughs> I felt pretty good. Number one, like, I stood up to the uh, the best the best baseball player on the planet, and I stuck up for my friend as he as he predicted I would. So that was kind of a uh, a win all the way around. So, it, but it's cool. Like it is cool to see all these baseball players because I know every team has a fantasy draft. I will hear from at least you know one player from just about every team that'll be like hey man like what do you think of this guy or what do you, what do you think of that guy or anything like that so it, it, it's interesting to go through your, your follows and you hit the the ver like who's verified and following you and you're like oh my god like michael walker's following or whomever somebody like that you're like oh, this is crazy jake odorizzi they're like this is insane but yeah it's a lot of fun and it's cool the way it's been catching on especially with other athletes, because it makes me feel better about myself 
Like, because I always feel weird, like, when I'm rooting, like, I'm an adult rooting for a team, and I'm like, I care a lot about this, and, like, it's it's easier now because I take my kids, so I'm like, I can just play it off on it. The kids have a good time. You're like, I'm an adult rooting for these guys, but when I see Trout sitting in the front row at the link rooting on his Eagles, I feel less bad about being a fanboy for the Angels because I'm like, well, this guy's like me. I mean, well, outside of him being extremely good at what he does, um and me not so much but you know like i feel i feel less terrible so it's all good well i i have something to, t- to tell you it's a story and knowing now how close you were with tyler skaggs i know brandon wanted to, to sort of chat chat something up but i have to tell you a story and it, and it really touched me um Years ago, when Jimmy Reese passed away, I had a special relationship with him because of my son, Daniel and Jimmy. I have photos of them when Daniel was a little baby and Jimmy Reese was just very good to him. And when Jimmy passed away, I went to the ceremony and, you know, I'm very close with Tim Mead. He's just one of the greatest human beings. And I said to myself, you know, I need to go to Tyler's memorial. It's right here at St. Monica's and, and, um, I know Tim won't be able to be there. There's just no chance Tim will be there because the day before were the inductions and he's just been super swamped. Maybe I should just go and stand in the back as sort of a surrogate in my mind for my friend, Tim. And I I was conflicted because I had a a Beverly Hills rotary meeting to go to. So I couldn't go. I just said, you know, who am I kidding? They they won't know who, you know, who I am. I'm just really kind of going to make me feel good that I'm doing something for Tim. And I, I just was conflicted. And sure enough, I turn it on. Tim flew in to speak at the at the memorial. And it was just such a cool moment because that's really who the Angels fans are. They really are. Um through memorials, through the bus crashes, through the good, through the bad, we're kind of like this oddball linked together family that really cares. And the humanity of it all sort of comes full circle. So when you talk about Trout just being a guy, he likes the Eagles, he likes you, and he's involved, he wants it. That's kind of what sports is. That's all the baloney put aside. And the real moments of humanity and fanship are based upon the fraternal love of a team. I mean, and it's just, it was so important to me and I was so happy and proud that my friend Tim found his way back and he spoke so eloquently. And now he's back doing his thing for hall of fame and helping kids. Cause I think that they have their little tournament coming on where all the little leaguers go there. So that's, I, I just wanted that's to cool. share that story with you. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw that he was there as well. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Hey rank before we let you go, let, let, let's talk about this fantasy meets reality tour. What is it? Where are you going to be? And uh, how can people go see you? Well, as some people might or might not know, I started as a stand-up who was given an opportunity. I was an NFL employee for years, but I also did stand-up on the side. Uh, When I went to college, I actually just wanted to go do stand-up, but nobody in my family had graduated from school, so my parents were adamant that I go to college. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll do this during the time being. I get some internships with the NFL, next thing you know. I'm working for the league. Comedy's kind of on the back burner, but I've always kind of done it. And over the last number of years, anytime I do a show, there would always be, you know, either people who are working there, the managers, or even patrons who came to watch a show who wanted to stick around and talk fantasy. And it's fun. You know, it's always cool. And I'm like, you know what? This should be part of the show. This should, this should be it. Because this is what, like, people are enjoying me doing stand-up. 
But I think ultimately they want to know which players am I drafting? What do you, can you take a look at my roster? Can you do this? Can you do that? So we kind of put together this concept. It's a fun little show. It's, it's a comedy show. It's a variety show. It's comedy. It's tragedy. It's, you know, a lot of people find the comedy of my fantasy analysis. So it's a little bit of everything. So what happens is I come out, I do, I do a little open. I introduce some comics, so there'll be, you know, three to four comics who will come out and entertain you. I will be doing stand-up, of course, on the top end. Intermediately, you know, bringing guys out back and forth, so you'll see me plenty. And then over the last 30 to 45 minutes, it turns into a little bit of a comedy show. I will invite somebody, either one of the comics. Hopefully, depending on which show you come to, there might be somebody, a little bit of a reunion, somebody stepping in from the danger zone, who will step in and do it with me. So uh, it's kind of like a podcast at the end. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll come to the Irvine Improv on August 9th, followed by the San Jose Improv on the 11th. Then we'll be at the Ontario Improv. We'll be at the Levity Comedy Club in Oxnard. Snappers in Burbank on August 28th. And then still trying to figure out if if I'm allowed to do Las Vegas or not. But, yeah, so there's there's still time. We've done some shows uh, across the country. The last show I just got back uh, not too long ago from Chicago, which was a lot of fun for me. You might or might not know I'm a Bears fan. So that was really cool. So uh, hopefully you can come out. You can find tickets at improv.com. Adam Rink's Fantasy Meets Reality. And uh, it's a it's a hoot. If I if I can say a hoot, I think it, it qualifies as a it, – it's an actual hoot now. Adam, I want to come see you at Flappers. What's the better way to pay for a ticket? To buy it on Flappers or to buy it through you? How do you benefit better? Or where would you prefer people buy tickets? Oh, I'll benefit either way. So it's fine. You can go to the Flappers website and just book it through them. Like I, we we have a little bit of a deal. I don't want to pull back the curtain too much. But we have, you know, I get a percentage, they get a percentage. I want to make sure that everybody who works there, the sound guys, the uh, the hosts, the, uh, the 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 serving staff, the bartenders, they got to get taken care of. So we make sure that a little bit is set aside for us, and then a little bit is set aside for me, just for my time and energy. But it's really not that big of a deal. It's about going out there and meeting the fans and everything. So if they offer VIP tickets, just buy the regular ticket. Like I'm not going to sit there and not talk to you because you didn't buy a VIP ticket. Like that's ridiculous. So just go to the Flappers website, purchase the seat, and it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a good time. That's one of the ones that uh, that my Danger Zone partner is hopefully going to be there for. I can't make too many promises because, you know, comics uh, and, and people in this industry can be extremely flaky. Yeah. Card is subject to change and all that stuff. But hopefully we can get James Coe out there and have a good time and, and relive some of the glory and some of the magic of the NFL Fantasy Live show. Yeah, you know, that new job at Yahoo. You don't know if he's going to be too big to show up there. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But either way, this has been a blast, man. Uh, I'm glad you were able to join us on uh, short notice, and we talked about some great stuff. And, uh, yeah, everybody go out and uh, check out the Fantasy Meets Reality Tour. You can follow him at Adam Rank on Twitter and uh, maybe slide into his DMs. Maybe he'll be able to help you out with fancy drafts. Probably not. I, I would suggest just tweeting at him and not sliding into his DMs. But either way, Rank, it's been a blast. DMs are open, but thank you guys so much. I appreciate you uh, having me on, and let's uh, let's do it again in the near future.
Well, knew that would be a fun conversation, and it was. Adam Rank can go off on many tangents, but boy, we were able to reel him in somehow, Mike, because uh, we got some good stuff in there with the Angels. Uh, hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know we did. Uh, make sure you check out Adam Rank if you live in California. It's that fantasy meets reality tour. Um, Adam posts that stuff on Twitter and Facebook, so you can find out where to buy tickets. And uh, go check him out, because he's not only a funny guy, but he knows his fantasy um, as well. So he's just a great dude. So, Mike, uh, let's close with a topic that I know you and I want to discuss more at length than uh, what we've been able to so far. And the question here is, um, how do I approach it properly with USC? They're going to be playing UC Davis, um, and that's going to be in 2021, I believe. And for USC, we're known as a school, and we as obviously you and I being fans, I'm saying we, as a school that does not play against non-D1 teams. You see a team like Alabama get one of those softies before they play LSU, usually in October, um, and it's 73-3 to is the final score. For USC, they usually, I don't want to say they hold themselves to a high standard because I don't think that's the right way to phrase it. But now you're playing a team like UC Davis and you're opening up the door to something that I think could be dangerous because you're already in a conference that right now is weak and you're just adding a weaker opponent to the schedule. I'm curious to get your take on it. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I'm not particularly pleased that they're scheduling um, UC Davis, but I am keenly aware of some issues that evolve around USC scheduling problems and where football's evolved. Like you, I used to always poke fun at what are you doing playing, you know, Eastern Louisiana tech and you're Alabama and you're winning 73 to zero, but that during different eras, during different decades sort of helped them. Oh, look at this. We're 10 and two We're 10 and one. We deserve to be a national champion, but three of those wins are against, you know, lesser opponents. Let's just call it that. But SC has a different problem, and because of all of these scheduling benefits and where people are going, it's hard to get a home-and-home that pays for people, that that pays the bills. And SC has a locked-in out-of-conference. So while the Pac-12 is down now, as you said, let's just say on a national stage, they're not quite as – oh, prolific – whatever the word is, they're not quite Mm -hmm. as loved or top-ranked or whatever – that you've got Notre Dame there every year. So you only have two games. Mm -hmm. So they've tried to schedule. I kind of watch it from a distance, solid people. They would have a home and home with Ohio state rock solid. They would have a home and home with Alabama, you know, they, they would, or, or a neutral site game. They would try to do those, but it's harder and harder. And then they try to get that top tier of teams looking for the payday, um, Hawaii is a good one because they have a difficult road as a university. Everything's Hawaii. Oh, it's beautiful. Every game for them is a road game. Uh-huh. It's very hard. So you had Hawaii going on, I think for four years of home and home and Fresno state is another one, but USC can't really go to Fresno state. They can't really play there. And the reason is the economics, Fresno State's economics of SC going there. One would think it would be okay, but it's really not going to be the draw creates a lose-lose. And these are the conversations that I know I haven't been in them, but I know that take place. 
And this was one date. I don't think they went out seeking UC Davis, but I think it's like, how do we fill this spot? We can't go. Idaho doesn't need us. This one doesn't need us. So you're sort of where do you go? And they acquiesced. I personally, this is just personal, would rather they not play the game. I'd rather take one less game on the schedule um, than to play that game because it just seems like a cash grab. And I'll take it as a fan for a second. It's a lose lose for USC. Yep. If you don't beat them 73 to six or whatever, you, you, you didn't perform well. If you do beat them the 73 to six or some blowout, whatever score you want to make it 42 to nothing, whatever it is, you're supposed to do that. So it, it just, doesn't look right. I know people, Daniel, as an example, is beside himself over it. He just doesn't know what to do. He's thinking, I won't show up for that game. I'm not going to attend. And these are some of the decisions that unfortunately had to be made. But in this era of all of the things that USC is going through, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, another sort of hit at USC, another sort of kink in the in, in the armor. And it's a shame. What do you think? Yeah, I think the issue is, like you said, it's really a lose-lose, and it really sucks for the coach. Whoever the coach is must hate those types of games because if you win, you're supposed to win. If somebody gets hurt, it hurts you going forward. If you lose, then you have a chance to lose your job. So there really is no positive out of playing a game like that, and that's the main issue is that you're hurting the team and the program and who's involved in the program. By playing that game. And like you said, Notre Dame is on that schedule every single year. So if you're able to schedule a team, let's say a lesser SEC team or a lesser ACC team, I think you need to go out and do whatever possible to try and get as many D1 teams as possible. I'm sure they tried, Brandon. I'm yeah. sure they tried. They're just scheduled. Now, I didn't want to interrupt you, but there is something good. If it, There is a win here. Uh, UC Davis, it's a big get for them. No matter what, it's a big get for their for kids, sure. for their program. Hey, we got to play. But mm-hmm. it's just like I think what you're alluding to, it's hard to believe that there's not a San Diego State out there that you could find. There's not, you know, um, a Utah State. Now they're, they're of course, a much, much more solid program, but they were sort of cast adrift. But those teams from Sunbelt types of conferences, you know, a Rice, somebody from Conference USA, it's hard to believe it couldn't happen. From my end, it's a little sad because it breaks a long, long standing tradition and it will give UCLA because I think it only leaves UCLA and one other school that haven't acquiesced to this. Yeah, Um, I don't blame USC. I just wish it didn't have to happen. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see what happens in the next couple of years and Who's in charge of USC and who's there? And um, frankly, how early that game is. You would assume it'd be the first game of the season, uh, but I'll be curious to see where they place that game because I know that Alabama places it in a place where they can get kind of a bye before a big game. Yeah, in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah, you wonder to see where they're actually going to play that game. But yeah. we'll, uh, we'll find out. But until next time, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Uh, good chatting with you. Uh, I know I'm heading on vacation for a little bit, but we'll try and get a podcast either next week, more likely the week after, though. So uh, until next time, I'm Brandon. I'm Michael. Be good humans. Have a go, everybody.